Hey, if you guys are new, my name is Mike, and I get the privilege and honor of serving here as the lead pastor. Uh, but I also want to give it up for Kevin. Hasn't Kevin been doing a great job? Yeah. So I listened to his message last week about Jesus turning water into wine and how that um, ties into prayer. And I was like, I have never thought about it like that. And so uh, really good job. And, and uh, it actually ties in well to where we're going uh, today. If you got your scripture, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. But as you're doing that, I got a, a few quick things that I want to go over with everyone. Uh, at this time, I'd actually ask for Lauren Stewart, if you can just start making your way up here real quick. I'm excited about this. Y'all give it up for Lauren. Y'all that, if you don't know her, then you're about to meet her. And um, so Lauren, she's going to make her way up here. Uh, I'm excited because God has just been doing some really cool things in our local community as well as um, our now uh, partnered or family community down in New York City and in Staten Island. Uh, Staten Island Res Church down in Staten Island, uh, they are actually looking for a building right now. And so they're in a, a little bit, they're where we were a few years ago, right? And so, um, but it's really cool to see what God is doing with them. And then in the Brooklyn campus, God is just moving. Uh, Bishop Joe is actually, this is his first time back uh, preaching down there in a while. And so uh, we know that God's going to move. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited for what God is doing. And so Lauren, oh, there you are. Everyone give it up for Lauren. <laughs> Woo. Um, so as many of you guys know, uh, Groups have started. Yeah, two people. Yes. No, I'll make sure not to do that. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it's an inside joke. Sorry. Uh, hey, um, but groups have started, and almost said it best is like we can learn and grow in rows, but we grow so much better in circles. Um, and by that, that is through groups. And so Lauren is going to be coming on board here at City Church. Um, I'm excited. And she has a passion for community groups. And so I'm going to actually let you just share for just a moment your passion of groups and where you see it going because discipleship is key. And, and yeah. Okay. So hi, everyone. Um, my name is Lauren Stewart. And first of all, I love Jesus, okay, um, with all of my heart and with all of my soul. And we see in Scripture Jesus living life with his disciples and just sharing the truth, right? And then we hop into Acts, and the Holy Spirit falls, and they just go and spread the news of the gospel, and the early church starts. And they break bread in each other's homes, and they share the love of the Lord with one another, and that is what we are called to do. That is actually a privilege to be able to come as the body of Christ and meet together during the week and encourage one another. And when we live in groups together, when we live in community together, we're actually inviting people into the miracle of God in our own lives. And it is powerful and it is amazing. Um, and just so you know, I come from a very broken home. And um, I didn't grow up knowing the Lord. And when I came to know him, um, I was thrusted into community. And it was there that I saw people love me. 
It was there that I saw the love of Jesus. It was there that I saw forgiveness being played out, um, where I saw grace being served, where people loaded our moving van before we moved to New York. I mean, it was my family. And I love that City Church has become our family. And we get to be a family and live life together. And it is an honor. And I love you, City Church. And I hope all of you would just take that commitment and take that step into living life with one another intentionally and purposefully and passionately because that is what we're called to do and he loves us and we see him in the middle of that and it's so exciting and I can't wait and I can't wait for all of you to know what that's about and I know a lot of you already know what that's about but it is incredible and yeah that's it is that is that all okay yeah, so listen, you can, uh, you can sign up for groups at citychurchalbany.com and click groups. And I can officially say, because COVID cases are start, starting to decline, uh, they are all online right now. But starting March 1st, they are going to be allowed, all of our groups are going to have the option to start meeting in person again. And so, yeah, I'm excited about that. And if you have any questions, see Lauren. Y'all give it up for her one more time. She's from Texas, y'all. That makes me happy. If you don't know, I'm from Texas. And uh, man, I'm, I'm prepared for today. I'm excited about today. I am prepared. I don't know if I'm prepared, but I'm excited about today. Um, the message I believe God has given me uh, is something that he really placed on my heart about three or four weeks ago. And I'm, I'm going to, we'll just see what happens. We're going to do something really cool at the end of church today. And I can't wait. It's Sundays like this that I love being a pastor. And so that is, um, that is where we are. So you guys ready? All right. <laughs> Y'all give it up for Andrea too. <laughs> I'm excited. Where, where am I? There we go. Okay, here we go. Let's look at the Sky Bible. Death to Life, Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 4 through 5, this has been our foundational scripture. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. And so this is now part 6 of a collection of talks that we've called Death to Life um, and it really is about how God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, has taken all of our transgressions, all of our sins, all of everything that we've done wrong, and He absorbed it on the cross. All that we have to do is have faith and put our trust in Jesus Christ, and we are brought from death into life. We literally go from being lost to being found. And, and I, man, this is, the, this is the heartbeat of the message of Jesus Christ. And if you're not a Christian here today, I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so excited if you're watching online and you're not a believer today. I'm so excited that you're watching because you're, you're checking out this Jesus guy. And I'm telling you, he is the best thing ever. He is better than pizza. He is better than cheese. He is better than Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks combined. Um, Krispy Kreme, we had a conversation about Krispy Kreme before church. He's even better than that. But today I want to start in Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to pick up in verse 18 and read through 22. It says, now this is Jesus. He said, while he was saying these things, 
to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, him being Jesus, saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. I love the confidence that this man has. My daughter's died, but if Jesus can touch her, then she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched him, the fringe of his garments. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garments, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. Well, if you're taking notes today, I've titled this message, Faith Meets You Where You Are. And I know that for many of us, we are at different levels in our relationship with Christ, or we're at a different place in our journey. And over the past year, year and a half now, we have just seen so much of what was normal being stretched by everything around us. And I've got good news for you today. Faith will meet you where you are, right now, right here Today, God wants to give you faith. God wants to speak to you. God wants to encounter you. And I believe if we would allow him and open up ourselves to do that, he will do that. And I believe also for our church, faith is going to meet us collectively where we are. We'll, we'll get to that in, in just a few moments. But I think about my journey of Christianity. I think about what God has brought me through. If you don't know my story, I'll give you a quick snapshot. At 17 years old, I really gave my life to, to Christ in Vider, Texas. I had just finished working at Burger King. I went to Waffle House, and I was about to get in my car and go get high. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and somehow the power of the Holy Spirit came upon me through somebody speaking up on behalf of Jesus Christ, which led me to fall to my knees in a parking lot at 2 o'clock in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, just after eating, you know, triple scrambled cheese with eggs, which is so good. Um, but God met me in that parking lot. And since then, he has brought me on this ridiculous journey of faith. I, I mean, he, he was on staff down in southeast Texas and then felt led to move to Colorado. So I took a detour and moved to Albany, New York. Don't ask how that happened met my wife, I literally like shook her hand and God spoke to me and said, you're going to spend the rest of your life with this woman. And I was like, okay. It didn't go exactly like that. I was having a lot of like, okay, is this God? Is this not God? But here we are. We've been married. It'll be nine years this July. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm I, like, I, this is awesome. Like, I'm, it's cool. Anyways, we got two kids. God led us to start this church um, nine years ago, and, and so if you're a future church planner and, and you are feeling led to get married and plant a church in the same year, my, my recommendation is don't. I'm just throwing that out there. I did it. I've got the t-shirt. Don't do it. Uh, get married first and then go plant the church. Um, but God has just done so many amazing things. And I also think about how the journey of this church and what God has taken us through and, and how now partnering with, with our family downstate, Res Church in Brooklyn and Staten Island, and just to see what God is doing and what he is going to continue to do. It amazes me that every time I feel like tapping out, God just shows up and meets me where I am. 
It amazes me that at every moment that I just want to, to walk away from what God has called me to do, Jesus is like, no, Michael, I've got this. And he displays his glory and his power and his strength. Here you have Jesus, and, and there's something very unique that is, that is taking place right here. Number one is you're seeing that Jesus is revealing his divinity everywhere that he goes. He's teaching his disciples. He's hanging out with them, and he's dis displaying and revealing his divinity. And the other thing is he is displaying and establishing the kingdom of heaven on this earth. And, and all of these disciples and Jewish people, they were following Jesus around. And he was like, no, you've been taught this way, but let me recalibrate your thinking so that you could see what the kingdom of God looks like in this, in this way, in this demonstration. Let me, let me start at verse 18. And while he was saying these things, talking about the kingdom of God to them, behold, a ruler came up. He came in and he knelt before him saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed uh, him with his disciples. And, and so I think that this is interesting right here, because this man knew who Jesus was. This ruler, this governor, this military person knew who Jesus was. And it was, if I could just get before Jesus, if I can just get in the presence of Jesus, I know that his goodness, his divinity, his power will be displayed, and that which is dead will be brought back to life. And so this, this ruler, he comes up and he kneels before Jesus in all of his divinity, all of his glory. And he says, if you can just touch my daughter. But catch verse 20. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. So Jesus turns to this man and he says, hey, I'm going to go to your house and I'm going to go Hang out with your daughter, and she's going to be risen to life. Let's go. You know, Peter and John and Matthew, you guys, you got it all together. Judas, you got the money. We're good. All right, let's, let's go. We're, we're going to go. Let's follow this ruler to the house. And so here you see Jesus is living on mission. He is fulfilling the plan and the destiny that God has called him to do. And then something interesting happens. Jesus is interrupted. Jesus is interrupted by someone who is desperate. I love what Kevin was talking about last week in, in his message about how God had this divine plan for Jesus to be revealed in his divinity and all this other stuff. But Mary, the mother of Jesus, came up and prayed to him and said, Jesus, they're out of wine. And Jesus changed his whole plan to answer his mother's prayer. Jesus is on mission right here. He's going to do what the Father has told him to do. And this woman interrupts the plan that Jesus had. I, I, I think that that's interesting. Have you, have you ever been so determined to do something and you just get so annoyed whenever you get interrupted? Anyone? Show of hands. Like, I, I'll tell you a story. This past week, literally, my wife was determined to get some sleep. Kid you not. She's like, Michael, it's 9 o'clock. I'm going to bed. Deuces. All right, I love you. I'm going to watch Grey's Anatomy, or I'm going to watch, you know, 
um, whatever show that I'm, I'm binging out at, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And so around midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, I find myself crawling in bed, and I fall asleep. And about two hours later, she wakes me up, and, and she goes, can you please stop? And I'm like, what? She's like, you're so annoying. Go get some water, Michael. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And so, like, I got up and I go get some water. And, like, I'm, I'm the type of guy that whenever I fall asleep, it's hard to wake me up. And I thank God for that gifting. I can do 10-minute cat naps, and I'm okay with that. And it hits me. But at night, whenever I hit that pillow, the anointing of God falls, the presence of Jesus, that rest, and I go into a deep, deep sleep. Well, she tells me the next morning, she's like, honey, do you know what happened last night? And I'm like, no, I don't. She's like, for 40 minutes, you had the hiccups, and they were shaking the entire bed. You would hiccup, and it was just like an earthquake in the bed. Her plan got interrupted by me. I'm just saying. And just like this, Jesus' plan gets interrupted by this woman who's sick that's saying, if I can just get to Jesus, verse 20 and 21 again, and behold, a woman came who was suffering from the discharge of blood for 12 years. You guys say 12 years. Came up behind him and touched the fringe of, the, the, of his garments. For she said to herself, if I can only touch his garments, I will be made well. And Jesus turned and said, your faith has made you well. How desperate are we to get to where Jesus is? How desperate are we to say, if I can just touch the fringe of his garments, I'm going to be made well. If I can just get in the presence of God, I know he's going to speak to me. If I can just, just you know, get into a moment of worship, I know that I'm going to encounter the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If I could just set aside some time, I know that God is going to meet me where I am and that his faith will come upon me and my faith will increase and I will start to see the goodness of God. How often do we allow the junk in our life to hold us back from getting into the presence of God. And Jesus is just saying, why don't you just come? I, I love the way that Mark tells this story in Mark chapter, chapter, is it chapter four? Chapter five. Thank you. There we go. He, he says, and there was this woman who had the discharge of blood for 12 years. There it is again, 12 years. And who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but actually, or rather getting worse. She had heard reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I even touch his garments, I will be made well. And so here you have Mark's version of this story, and he's given a little bit of a different perspective right here. But this woman had been suffering for 12 years. Have you ever experienced a season of suffering that's lasted 12 years? Have you ever experienced hardship and heartache that has been going on for 12 years, and you're just like, God, this can't keep 
going on. What I love about the number 12 is that there's a number of completion and power in God's anointing in it because you see this number come up all throughout Scripture, going all the way back to the Old Covenant. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Those 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. You see that God sends 12 spies over into the promised land. You see Jesus ends up picking 12 disciples. You see that those 12 disciples end up becoming the 11 apostles and then they bring on another apostle and they end up going out. You also see in Revelation the the 12 elders that are around the throne. There's something significant about the number 12. And this woman, whenever she was in her brokenness, whenever she was sick, whenever she felt like giving up, she heard about this man named Jesus and her being in the 12th year, she said, I've got to get to Jesus. And I know if I can get to Jesus, he's going to encounter me. He's going to touch me. He's going to transform my life. And maybe, just maybe, I will be made well. But something significant happens in this moment. Something significant happens in this moment. Her faith meets her where she is because our God is faithful that when we are desperate, he will meet us and transform us. I think about every major move of God in the Scripture It started from a place of desperation. Every major move of God here in America started from a place of desperation of the church of Jesus Christ calling out saying, God, we need you to move. I'm believing for more. I'm believing for transformation. I wonder if some of us have been in this 12-year season and we look at the 12 years thinking that it's so incredibly negative, but Jesus sits there saying, no, I've been allowing you to go through this so I can set you up for one of the greatest miracles that you're going to experience in your life. I'm going to yell a lot today. I hope that that is okay. Catch this, verses 29 in Mark chapter 5, 29 through through 33 real quick and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease and Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him immediately turned about in the crowd and said who touched my garments and the disciples said to him you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say who touched me and he looked around to see what he had done. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling down before him and told him the whole truth. I I think one of the two things that really coincide with our lack of faith is number one is many of us are looking for approval and number two, many of us are looking for acceptance. We're looking for approval and we're looking for acceptance and for whatever reason, we often feel that we don't have approval or acceptance with Jesus Christ. You see, according to Jewish law, this woman should have not even been around a crowd of people. We don't know what her disease was, but she was literally bleeding and had open wounds. And according to Jewish custom and culture and the Mosaic law, she was actually considered unclean. And so lepers in that time, whenever they would get near people, they would literally have to yell from the top of their lungs, I am unclean, I am unclean, so that people would stay away from them. It's kind of like COVID today. I got COVID! And everyone's like, get away from me. 
I thought that was funny, all right? If y'all didn't think that was funny, I thought it was funny. No COVID shaming here at all. We know we people have had it. So this woman not only was considered unclean, but she was rejected by society. She was rejected by society, but in faith, she took a step. In faith, she said, if I can just get to Jesus. See, faith comes from trust in Jesus. The only way our faith can increase is if we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And so this unclean, sinful woman said, if I can just get to Jesus, I trust him enough that I can be made well. And then the other thing that you see is she is healed, and she does what so many of us do. She hid. She hid. See, so many of us, we hide from the goodness of God. We hide from the presence of God. Even though he is transforming our life, we think that God is this old dude up in heaven, angry with a microscope or a magnifying glass over us, trying to burn us up. We perceive our Heavenly Father with so much guilt and condemnation that we end up doing exactly what this woman did, and we hide. We hide. But what happened? What happened? Jesus walking feels the anointing and the power goes out of him, stops, and he turns around. And this woman's just been healed, and she's over in the corner hiding from everyone else. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. We got we to gotta stop this. And you got Peter over here, but Jesus, you got to go heal this dead girl. She's dead. Like, oh, I know. I know she's dead. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Like, no, 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 Jesus. Like, who touched me? John is like, well, you're only surrounded by like 75 people right now, and you got another 5,000 following you. So I don't, I mean, it could have been any of us. Like, no, 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 no. Someone special just touched me. Well, come on, Jesus, come on. I don't be stupid. Like, Thomas is just like, I doubt it was anybody perfect, you know, anybody important right there. You know, uh, and Jesus is like, no. Who touched me? He's calling for this woman that just became well. This woman who her faith and her trust in Jesus gave her approval but she was still rejected by society, and all she knew was a rejection by society. And Jesus finds this woman. She comes up to Jesus with fear and trembling, terrified of what he's going to do, thinking that, that this deity, this God in front of her is going to just condemn her in, in, in so much fear. And she walks up and she says, it is me, probably head down, head covered, sh shivering and, and trembling. And what does Jesus say to her? He looked, he said, uh, where, where is, I'm sorry. He, he says, daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. Daughter? See, not only does our faith and our trust in Jesus give us the approval by grace and grace alone, but it also gives us acceptance in moving us from a place of sinful person, a place of condemnation, a place of guilt and shame to a place of, 
I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter. I'm a daughter of God. And it invites us into a family. I, I say this all the time, and this is why groups are so incredibly important. We are called and we are saved from sin and called to family. We are saved from our past and called into relationship. We are saved from religion and called into being the people of God, sons and daughters of God. And so if that is the case for us, why is it so hard for us to have faith whenever we face challenges? Why is it so hard for us to have faith whenever we experience hardship in our life? Why is it so incredibly hard for us to have faith that God is going to do what he said he's going to do? And, and this is where I want to kind of start to land the plane, and this is what I'm excited about, because I'm going to be very transparent with you guys. As your pastor, I'm actually about to get up here and I'm about to repent to you. We need a building. Actually, we have a building. We have a building. Pretty cool, right? We got a building. Let's get excited about that. Woo! Which, by the way, we have our members meeting tomorrow evening at 7 p.m., and so if you cannot be there, we need you to um, do a written proxy immediately following church today so that we can count your vote in favor, and we need you to vote yes. But I am not guilting you to vote yes, okay? Total shameless plug there. Whenever God started opening this door, my faith was being stretched. My faith was being stretched a lot. And it's like, all right, God, that's a lot of money. We got to have $185,000 down. And like, all right, well, you know, we're going to see what's going to happen. And, you know, it is, it is what it is. Like, we're just going to take steps by faith. We're just going to trust you. Trust Jesus. Trust that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And so... Um, so, so far, we have about 80000 or so set aside in the bank, and we've got about, I think it's 36000 that's actually been paid out towards the building already. And so I'm just going to do easy math. We, we need about $85,000. let us just say we need 85000 Is that cool? Cool. Um, and so a few weeks ago, I was down in Brooklyn Saturday night. I'm sitting in the hotel. I'm, I was about to preach the message, Faith in the Middle. Y'all remember that message Kevin preached it a few weeks ago, Faith in the Middle? And I get my, um, I get my giving statement. Y'all can turn him down just a little bit, please. No, no offense, it's nothing you. It's not you at all. Um, there we go, cool. We can, we can bring him up in a little bit once I start yelling again. But anyway, so I'm sitting there. I get my giving statement for 2020 from City Church. And I'm just like, I text my wife and I'm like, honey, this is how much we gave last year. And uh, she's like, that's incredible. <laughs> how much are we giving this year? <laughs> like, let's set a new goal. And, and the reason I'm saying this, I'm not saying this to, to brag, all right? We were in the middle of a fricking pandemic. There was a financial crisis that had hit America People were being laid off from their jobs. People are still laid off from their jobs. We didn't make a, a ton of money last year, but somehow 
And I don't know how we gave well above where we've ever given and well above the 10% part for the tithe. And, and as this, like I saw this, I was literally just like blown away. And I just started weeping in my hotel room. I, I kid you not. Like I'm like, I was like, I can't even study right now. Was, and I just put on, you know, Hillsong or Bethel or Maverick City worship. And I'm just sitting there and I'm just praying. And I'm just like, God, you're so good. And, you know, I just love you. And God spoke to me something very, very, very important. And this is what I'm coming to you guys with today. He said, Michael, it's really easy for you to trust me in your personal finances, but why is it that you don't trust me with the finances of the church? And here's, here's what happened. I get a message in early January from Jen Waltersdorf, who's watching right now. Y'all give it up for Jen. Jen is our business admin. She is amazing. And she said, hey, Michael, we have $8,000 that we still need to give away as a church for our tithe for 2020. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let's just put it towards the building. That was my response. And in my mind, I was trying to justify that. You know, we can just put that towards the building. Like, it is what it is. You know, we need a building. We're tithing into the future, you know, trying to justify it. And, and that night, whenever God spoke to me, I got so convicted because I was about to allow my fear and my insecurity to be detrimental to my word and my character as your pastor. And so City Church, I'm coming to you today and I am repenting because I almost messed up. I almost messed up in a sense, like would the money have still have gone to good use? Yes, but we said at the beginning of January, 2020, that we're gonna be a church that gives away 10% of our income. And so I got so convicted in that moment, so convicted in that moment. And so I repented. I, I said, Jen, we got to figure out who we're going to give this money to. And she's like, okay, let me know. And so we had an elders meeting. I told the elders all of this. And, and here's, here's my big point. I really believe that through an act of obedience, faith is going to meet us where we are as a church. I really believe that. And I don't know what that looks like. I am not God. I'm not a, I'm not a prophet. But I really believe that faith is going to meet us with where we are. And so you guys know that last week or, or two weeks ago, we gave $1,000 to Pastor David. That came out of that extra tithe. And I just want to throw this number. This is what was given so far in 20, uh, jump, jump back, in 2020 so far, jump, uh, very, should be the very first financial slide. It's 23. All right, you can take that down. 23000 or $24,333 is what we've already given for 2020, which, guys, we should be excited about that. That's awesome. We should be excited. Um, and then we gave $1,000 to, to Pastor David in India, which is, I, I think, absolutely awesome. And so we're going to put our faith into practice today, and we're going to give away some money as a church. Is that okay? Is that okay? And we're going to trust that God is going to meet us where we are. And so we've already given away $24,333.
That right there um, has gone towards COVID relief, has gone to our missions partners. We gave $2,000 to Ignite Church up in Mechanicville, Pastor Ryan and Jen Greenhall. We we have um, sown into overseas missions and, and just God's done some really cool things with all of that. You know what's interesting though? is that the average American church who is harping about tithe, 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 tithe gives less than 5% of their income away to the, to the missions. And on top of that, 0.5% of the income that comes in to the church on average goes to oversee missions. But yet oversee is where we see the biggest number of unreached people groups. And I've got a problem with that. And so we as a church, we are going to be a church that gives away a minimum of 10%. And we are going to invest into overseas missions. We are going to invest into planting the gospel. We are going to invest into church plants all around the world because the gospel of Jesus matters. And I have more in common with my brothers and sisters in Africa who love Jesus than I do with my next door neighbor who doesn't. And so here's, here's what we're going to do. We've already been, been able to give um, in-house, and I'm not going to go over the numbers with that, but into, in-house to people that we felt led to or, or people that um, were in need in our church. And, and so God has been faithful with that. But the first, first one that we're going to just, we're going to give some money away. So here we go. Vida Nueva Children's Home in Parres, Coahuila, Mexico. And so if we can, we're going to give them $1,000. They've actually already gotten that $1,000. Now, if, if we can, if we can throw up the slide with the pictures here. These are these kids. This is the oldest boy. I believe his name is Luis right there. These are the kids around Christmas time who were just sitting around, just, just hanging out. And this, this beautiful little girl over here, this is the orphanage that I was at whenever I fell off a cliff in Mexico. And what they do is they take kids that cannot afford education and their families are incredibly poor and they bring them into this orphanage. And not only do they pay for their primary education and their secondary education, but if they stick with it, these, this group home will literally send the kids to college and pay for their entire college education, which is incredible. And so I, I messaged Chad and Elise and I said, hey, um, what's the biggest need that you guys have? And they said, well, actually, uh, we have a hole in the roof of one of the boys' rooms, and so we really need to replace that. And so we are putting that money towards replacing a hole in the roof over the boys' portion of the orphanage. Another gentleman by the name of Emmanuel Ortega, who is a missionary in the Dominican Republic, also runs an orphanage, very similar. And he takes kids who have no parents and, and brings them in. Now, I don't know if you know this, the average income in the Dominican Republic is 600 US dollars. 600 US dollars. And so church, we're giving them $1,000 to go help what they're doing over there. And then this next one I'm really excited about. Before we put this up there, I just want to kind of read this. You guys know Jim and Jen Waltersdorf. Jen runs our business admin. Jim is one of the elders here at this church. They left here to go be a part of Sin 56. Um, 
and Sin 56 is a church planning, gospel loving organization who they go and they set up these centers in Uganda and in Kenya and they evangelize and win over people and then they put them through a two year intense discipleship and Bible school and then they send out native missionaries to go and bring the gospel back to the villages where they came from. And they're in a heavily, heavily known um, Muslim region. And I want to just kind of, this is, this is one of the uh, testimonies that just came back. We want to thank you for your continued support of the African missions movement. Through your giving, we have been able to keep Annette on the mission field. Annette and her husband are continuing to make a lasting in people among the Nabolian people in Uganda. Last year, she and her team are holding Bible studies with new believers from strong Muslim backgrounds, and they meet regularly in the homes and disciple them. The team is also making headway with the language barrier and is even starting to translate worship songs into the language for the first time. Mission work is being done, although it can be challenging. Some of the new believers have had to leave because of persecution from their own families. Annette and her team sometimes have to meet believers at night, meet believers at night due to fear of retribution from the community. Despite this, the team has managed to continue to engage with new believers by going house to house to fellowship and disciple them. I just think that this is amazing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it sounds like the early church. They met in home and home and house and house. They broke bread. They were under persecution. And yet they, they went out there. If we can, can we throw the pictures up of the people with Sin 56? I want to point out a few of these pictures. This one on the left right here is one of the missionaries baptizing someone in a feeding trough puts things into perspective. This person on the right-hand side is one of the missionaries, and you don't see his face because where he goes is actually an area that he could be murdered or arrested for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's illegal to preach the gospel there. And that backpack that he is carrying contains the Jesus film right there. And so what he does is he goes into an unreached people group. He gets, gathers a bunch of people. They start meeting around and he pops open this backpack and it's got a whole projector and everything and they show the Jesus film in their language and then they give them an opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ and that's how they're winning over and then they plant a church under the radar illegally in these little villages this middle guy is sitting on a motorcycle and so here's what we're going to do. As a church, we're going to buy a motorcycle because that motorcycle is going to get him to these unreached people groups to be able to take the gospel with their Jesus backpack and to be able to continue to spread it for the namesake of the kingdom of God. And so City Church, we are buying a motorcycle for Sin 56 and putting money towards that. And I just want to say thank you. And so every life that this missionary ends up reaching because he's riding his motorcycles in the bush of Africa is because it is tied back to this house in the winter of dead cold in Albany, New York, the frozen chosen. And so City Church, I just want to say thank you for that. 
Another thing, some in-house missionaries, Dodie Wilburn with YWAM. You guys, some of y'all may know her. We're going to give her $500 towards what she's doing. Sarah Pearl, Sarah McTiernan is her actual name. Any of you guys, she used to lead worship here. She's going to Africa in a few months. We're giving her $500. It's already been sewn into them. And then locally, locally we want to bless some organizations too. And so um, how many of you guys have heard of a light care center? A light care center is an incredible organization, and what they do is they help women who are considering having an abortion, and they give them uh, education and counseling, and so we're sewing $500 into a light care center. This next one, actually, we've got a quick video. If we can kill the lights and show this video, I want to show you guys this video right here. My last pregnancy was very difficult. I was so sick, I was so miserable. I ended up in a very deep depression. I would get into that dark spot because I just wanted it to end. Had it not been for Gwen and the Alpha family, I don't know how I would have gotten through it because there were times that I would think to myself, if I just got an abortion, this would all just go away. Everything would just be easier. So I just am very thankful to Alpha for being there and being my support when I just felt like I didn't have anything. If it wasn't for Alpha, I don't know where I would be. I would probably be lost. I wouldn't have come as far as I have today. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be as optimistic as I am. They've really showed me the way and they showed me that there are people that care. There are compassionate people out there and they're willing to listen and they're willing to help. You just have to go and find it. We're sending a check for $1,000 to Alpha Pregnancy Center to help them and they're right up the road on Clinton Ave. And then this last one I'm really excited about because they have no idea about this. This, this last one is um, I believe in church planning. And I believe that we're better together. I believe that we are stronger when we focus on what we have in common instead of arguing about our differences. And so you may believe in speaking tongues. You may not believe in speaking in tongues. You may be a Calvinist. You may be an Arminianist. You may be, just believe, I'm just a Jesus follower. Who's Calvin, you know? Like... And I'm like, I like you, dude, you know? Um, but there's a, there's a new church plan, and they were scheduled to launch in June of 2020, and they got hit by the pandemic. And currently, they're holding services online uh, via Facebook Live, and they have no idea, um, but, but it's Engaged Church in Albany, and it's led by Pastor Sean Nolan. Uh, and Sean's daughter and my son were best friends in grade school. And so we just sent them a check for $1,000 to invest into them because we believe in the church in Albany, New York. And so, so here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm wrapping up. And worship team, you guys, you guys can want to come out right now. Our 2020 offering that we are giving away is a total of $32,333, guys, which is the most we've ever given away as a church. And I'm excited about that because it reminds us that it's not about us. And everything in me said, Michael, just put it towards the building. Michael, you got to come up with this money for the building. Michael, what about this? And God was like, 
know I'm rebuking you. Do you not trust me that I'm going to be a God that will give you the faith to meet you where you are? And so church, here I am today saying, God, I am trusting you in in faith. I'm believing you're going to come up with $85,000. I don't know how, Jesus, you were you know, enthroned, and I'm going to trust you, but we are going to be a church that focuses and says we're going to do what we say we're going to do. We are going to give, and we are going to be generous, and I cannot wait till that number goes from 32,000 to 64,000, and then to 120,000, and then there's one day where we are given hundreds of thousands of dollars away to see the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed, and I'm believing that, and as Jess said earlier, it's a day and a year of declaration. I am declaring prosperity for this church. I am declaring prosperity for this congregation. I'm declaring generosity and I'm going to believe that God is going to meet me where I am. He's going to meet this church where we are today. So then I'm getting all wrapped up and we had paid everyone out and then Jen messages me and she goes, Michael, we have $1,300 from January that we have to give away too. And I was like, good God. And then she sent over this face emoji that was like this. Like, it was like, you know what? If we're going to give it away, we're just going to give it away. And so three other organizations that we're just going to bless, and you guys may know, one is CCC, uh, which is Christ Covenant Coalition. They are doing an initiative with Pastor Raul to uh, reestablish and to plant churches in Lebanon. Actually, Pastor Raul's church ended up being destroyed by the explosion that took place last year in Lebanon. We're sending $500 to Civil Righteousness with Jonathan Tremaine Thomas, who you guys know, JTT, JT, he is, he's a beast. I love that dude. And then, of course, we love the Capital City Rescue Mission, and so we're sowing $300 uh, into the Capital City Rescue Mission. Here's my point with all of this. Because of your generosity, we're able to be generous. Because of your obedience, we're able to be obedient. And we're going to continue to be obedient. And I'm believing that Jesus is going to meet us where we are. And so as we transition into a time of giving, we, you can give via citychurchalbany.com. Hit on the blue icon. I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to say this to, you know, manipulate you to give. Or if you want to give by, by check or cash, you can give in the back. I'm, I'm saying this to say when we step out in faith, just like the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus is faithful to turn around and say, Michael, I see you in that hotel room, and I see you being fearful of what you're about to face. I see you not trusting me, but if you would just have faith in me, faith in Jesus, I will meet you where I am. And so here I am today, church, saying we are stepping out in faith, and we are going to trust Jesus and all of his goodness, and I am believing that we are going to see a miracle come out of this. Will you stand to your feet this morning? And can we just believe and pray for God to just increase our faith this morning?